Much of Tracy Johnson's work deals with how splicing is regulated in yeast. But I wanted her to tell me some of the implications beyond yeast, including for mammals. Well, I, you know, this is something I, we think about a lot. And it, what it just suggests to me is that, you know, if you think about just how abundant introns are in mammalian genomes, um, it sort of suggests that introns may be a regulatory goldmine, you know, that there is a real growing appreciation of uh, regulated intron retention. We don't know exactly why introns are retained. There's some, you know, there's some experiments that have been done that suggest that when re- introns are retained, it may make the RNA less likely to be expressed. But there's still a lot that we don't know. So when there's this rampant shifts to um, intron retention, one of the things we're excited about exploring in collaboration with colleagues who are also interested in these questions, is it possible that there may be signals in the intron that under particular set of conditions may allow for the kind of mechanisms that we've seen that we've seen in, in yeast. It would be surprising would if be there really weren't examples. <laughs> exactly. Well, and when you think about it, the introns are so large in some uh, genes that you've got to wonder what's going on in there. I mean, they're obviously places for regulation, but they may also be places for this level of regulation we haven't thought about. Mm-hmm. Something else about your work that really strikes me just now is that, um, you know, if it weren't for good techniques to sequence RNAs, Hmm. uh, it would be really hard to figure this stuff out. I wonder if you could just comment a little bit on the, what a difference uh, RNA sequencing has made to understanding how splicing is such an important node in in gene regulation. Oh, it's been totally transformative. I mean, it is fundamentally changed the way we understand the implications of splicing and splicing regulation. Um, And as our technology gets better, as as we're better able to identify different um, forms of RNA or isoforms, I think it's only going to give us more insight into uh, the mechanistic details. But it's been a really important part of it. You know, for example, um, work that we did a couple of years ago, um, we just took all of our mutants, all of the mutants that we'd been working with in the lab where we'd done RNA-seq, and just pooled them as if it was one big experiment, just to ask, is it possible that if we look at all of these data sets, could we actually reveal new introns or things that are under certain conditions they are not being spliced, but they actually can undergo splicing, you know, sort of sort of look for novel introns. And we found a lot. So there's a lot of work to be done to know whether these are regulated events or, but the bottom line is that there's an awful lot in the genome that we miss unless we can sequence it. And the different kinds of sequencing technologies, now we can sequence in a way that we can begin to identify modifications in RNA, or we can sequence in a way where we can figure out exactly where the ribosome is on an RNA, and then compare it with the total amount of RNA so that you can see just because an RNA is there, is it being translated? Those levels of questions are things that we really just didn't have access to until 
you know, until our sequencing technology caught up with our ideas.